Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. I'm here with Don Grafham, who is my favorite co-host and also the most well-known bird watcher on the planet. Whoa. Don, how are you? On the planet. I don't deserve <laughs> such debt. I am just an amateur, just to remind everybody, just, just a novice here, but... Uh, I'm I'm good. We're in the fall flow of things, the fall frenzy. I like fall. I mean, it's beautiful, and you do kind of just get in the, like the pattern. You yeah. know, summer you're just who's gone? When are we leaving? And but once you get in the fall, you just kind of get in the rhythm, and yeah, and things are going great here at church, and excited for what's next. What do you do in the winter if you can't watch birds? I, yeah, it's limited. I don't, it's, I don't really care. I just, <laughs> just, I just wander, <laughs> stare in the sky. Yeah, you do <laughs> just wander. Oh, Don, you're a legend. But today we are excited for our conversation because I actually think we are talking about one of the most innovative ways to build a church and reach people for Christ. And no, it's not the metaverse. Well, we might talk about that. We probably will at the end of our conversation. But what we're talking about today are viewing groups. And we've got our online campus pastor, Jeff Dodge, in the studio today to tell us all about it. First, Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, right now I'm the online campus pastor. I started out at Eagle Brook seven years ago, mm. and I was the groups pastor at Coon Rapids when we were still mobile, became a campus pastor at the Anoka campus and did that for four years, and now uh, held, have, have held this role for about a year and a half. And uh, I'm also a dad. I have three little kids, seven, five, and three married, and uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. You're a great online campus pastor. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so your boss is here. Yeah, that's right. Don, yeah, so you better be so nice about us. Up. Yeah, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> but really, uh, to frame up today's conversation about viewing groups, I mean, let's start off by acknowledging the obvious or talking about the obvious. What exactly is a viewing group? Yeah, I think uh, a viewing group in its simplest form is a group that views Eagle Brook content. And we we named it that simple on purpose. (laughs) Yes. So it would be self-evident. But uh, so anywhere in the world, people that gather together in physical, the same physical space to watch Eagle Brook content um, sounds easy and simple, but in its most complex form, we've seen viewing groups that have kids ministry. Uh, They have a host who kind of narrates or like uh, hosts the service. Um, we've seen groups do small groups after and provide lunch and do... So it, it can be as simple as gathering in a coffee shop or it can be as complex as almost like a small church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, just to give us a little stat on this, how many of these groups are... And I know this actually changes almost by the month, but yeah. how many do you think currently we have going right now? Yeah, we have just under 30 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have groups that meet um, most of those are public. Some of those are private because they meet in either gated communities or communities that aren't open to everyone. Um, but if they are open to everyone, we have them public on our map. Uh, we have about 30 that range from here in Minnesota to all over the United States. Uh, most of them are in Minnesota in small towns outside of driving distance of one of our campuses. It's kind of like a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them are there. Some are in Wisconsin. We have some in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. We have others that are in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three in Florida, actually, two in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana, and one in a condo in New York. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good Minnesotans <laughs> like to go to Arizona and Florida. That yeah. just seems like wisdom. To yeah, me. right, right. If somebody wants to find one of these groups, you just mentioned a map. How, yeah. how am I going to find the group? Yeah, so on our website, we have a viewing group map, and it's kind of a pin on where every group is. And you can, from that map, reach out to a viewing group leader, 
Uh, we've had people that normally attend campuses who go on vacation in Arizona or Florida stop by and attend these groups. And it's mm-hmm. wild to think like you attend a physical campus, you go on vacation and your church is in the location that you're vacationing in. Yes, right. Uh, and you can still attend with a, a group of believers and people who are part of our church a mm-hmm. uh, thousand miles away. Yeah, yeah. Maybe tell us about a couple groups. I mean, yeah. maybe some newer groups or some unique groups that... Because I, I, I think these stories are fascinating. So yeah. just talk about a couple of groups maybe that come to your attention. Yeah, I mean, we have groups that have started out in a bar mm-hmm. or uh, and just the bar owner opens up his doors and says, on Monday nights, we're going to close down the bar and we're going to have church here and you can come and watch services. Uh, we've had groups that have met in wineries. Mm-hmm. There's one in Brainerd that meets in a... Uh, a winery. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a distillery yet, but once we get that, we'll say, have the trifecta. Alcohol is, <laughs> yeah. alcohol is not a prerequisite. It's not a prerequisite, right? but <laughs> okay. it is a benefit. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, we have ones that meet in libraries. Uh, we have ones that meet in coffee shops. Um, and these groups are crazy how they start because usually it starts with either an email or a conversation mm-hmm. that someone has with me and then maybe gathering a, another family or another friend together and, and then they start opening up their house or sending out invites to people in their community and slowly but surely these things grow. And sometimes they grow to the size of small churches and actually in a few cases become actual churches. Yeah, it's just incredible. I get really moved hearing the stories of these people who are gathering as groups of people because I think one of the fears of online church is that it becomes an isolated experience you know, I think it's such an effective way of, of moving people along in their faith journey. It's an effective way of reaching people. We've heard countless stories of people who've watched online and had experience and encounter with Jesus. I have full confidence that God's spirit works through online church, but one of my fears of online church, our fears, is that people just do it in isolation. Yeah. And so when I hear about groups of people who are gathering together to experience some of that community while, you know, worshiping together as an online group, I just... I just love it. So maybe, you know, I was getting ahead of myself a little bit, but why do you think viewing groups are a way to reach people for Christ and build the church? Like, why do you think, Jeff? Yeah. Um, When I think of viewing groups, I think of the early church. Um, The early church was basically connected through uh, letters, which was the technology of their day. They had passed letters from small, decentralized communities from, and they would hand these letters back and forth. I mean, I think... At the end of Colossians, Paul has this uh, line where he says, uh, when you're done with this letter, give it to the church in Laodicea and get the letter that I wrote to them and basically do an exchange. They're neighboring Mm -hmm. cities and how Paul was kind of communicating and instructing people on this central message of how to follow Jesus. And yet you had these decentralized communities that were find unity in, in following Jesus, but are connected through the technology of their day, which was letters. And so when I think about viewing groups, they're decentralized, invitational communities that are far from home base, right? A lot of them are outside of the Twin Cities, and uh, they're decentralized. They're connected through the technology of our day, which happens to be the internet. And they are connected to our church, a part of our church, uh, following the same message in an attempt to follow Jesus. And so I think of the early church, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, Yeah, and I think as those groups become more invitational and invite people, I mean, we've heard so many stories of a snowplow driver who was outside of the viewing group that met in the library getting invited into the group 
had no idea, had never heard of Eagle Brook, and ends up over time putting his faith in Jesus. I mean, mm -hmm. these are stories that actually happen. And so one of the reasons is the theology behind it. And the other reason is because we actually have seen it happen over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Don, yeah. how about you? Yeah, I'll just add to that. I I did have the opportunity to go visit the booze bar when it was happening. Remember yeah. when you were invited and you didn't go? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we did. So I got in the car with Jason Strand and a few others, including the media team that went down there so that we could kind of capture what was happening in the booze bar and had this powerful worship experience. Yeah. Turn off the lights, say a prayer, everybody stands up and they, they worship. And I remember so specifically the car ride home because one of the guys in the car says, We've talked about becoming a church of the Midwest. That was the Midwest. Hmm. You know, like the Midwest is a small town like Nap, Wisconsin, where there's a bar. Yeah. And there's sometimes a church and there's usually some kind of gas station or a restaurant. And and you have some person that steps forward and says, Let's try this. Jeremy is that guy. He mm -hmm. was in here a few months ago. And I just think that's why this works, is you have somebody courageously step forward and say, maybe we'll just give this a try. And I mean, everything is telling them that uh, that worked somewhere else, but it's not going to work here. I'm not sure, you know, people are going to watch church on a screen and they have all the reasons they go through all the self-doubt, but eventually a guy like Jeremy or somebody who starts one of these viewing groups says, I'm just going to go for it. And it happens. And then you see a cluster form. And I think, I love that you just pointed out the early church because I think that's kind of how the early church started too. It was just a people that said, let's just meet together and start learning together. And this is the technology of today. So these things grow and we've seen success all across the country in these and it couldn't be more exciting yeah. to, continue, to continue to see what God does through this. Yeah, and I love to see the ownership that people take over it too. I mean, there's, you know, we're all called as followers of Christ to go reach our family and friends and neighbors and you know people we don't know, reach them. And when you uh, start planning a viewing group that's gonna meet in your home or the space that you've designated, I mean, people take a lot of ownership of the mission. Yeah. And it's really cool to see people live that out and yeah. get excited about, man, how can I invite someone? How can I reach someone? How can I get more people involved in this viewing group experience? And there's mm -hmm. something about that that's um, that really does inspire other people too. Yeah. And by the way, you're tapping into networks of relationships you already have. So oftentimes the people who are gathering are people who have some, you know, real small degree of separation that are now getting to know each other and forming communities around this shared experience. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and even in a lot of cases, the to, like you said, the ownership and the investment, some people actually financially invest by mm -hmm. renting a space in, those, in a community because mm -hmm. we've seen people more likely to attend a viewing group if it's in a public community space rather than in a living room. Even yeah. though most groups start out in a living room, uh, some of these group leaders... I mean, they foot the bill to to rent a space, which yeah. is just really impressive to see their ownership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, I mean, yeah. a few of these viewing groups have become more than viewing groups. Mm -hmm. um, Don, why don't you tell us about a few of those yeah. um, examples? Well, Wyndham is the classic example. And Jeff, mm -hmm. you might know even more details than I do about this one, but that definitely started in a cafe, moved to another cafe, as I understand it, because they outgrew that. Uh, and then eventually they bought a building, renovated yeah, a the bar. building, a, a bar. bar. <laughs> 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 <Go> <laughs> <There's> <laughs> a figure. <laughs> renovated the bar and 
and now they have, I think I've heard over 100, 200 people that yeah, will show like 250, up. Yeah, 250, yeah. Yeah, right. And they've even had enough. They've put together a leadership team. They have uh, even enough to hire a campus pastor. So they've yeah. hired a staff person there and essentially have become a church. Yeah, they're yeah. their own, I mean, yeah. They have their own bylaws, constitution, right. all, all that stuff. And they yeah. are now the gathering church in yeah. Wyndham, Minnesota. But what do they use yeah. of Eagle Brooks? Yeah, they use our messages. Yep. So they do have live music there, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Yep. And then they show the message. And it's just a fully formed church that yeah. has been taking off. So cool yeah. to see. If you were to drive by and stop at the church, you would you would have no idea how it began as mm-hmm. a, a group, a viewing group. Mm-hmm. And, and you would have no idea. Mm-hmm. And, the, and now it's a full-fledged Church. I mean, they're they're literally their own church. Yeah, yeah. Another approach is in Osceola, Cedar yeah. Bend Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of a church planter mindset. Kind of started renting a bigger building. I think it might even been a school to start. And they just started meeting, and they did have live music and would show the message. Mm-hmm. And I knew they were getting some great traction through that too. And just as a reminder, our Rochester site started essentially as a viewing group. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a group of people that were watching. Then they moved into the Civic Center and they got so big that they kept knocking on the door, literally and figuratively, to Eagle Brook to say, hey, this is legit. And they did grow enough that we have a full site where we bring in the band, all the production, the kids' ministry, and all that. So there are different like iterations of viewing group and some that have become full churches even have become a, a site of ours. Yeah. Another thing that we've seen happen recently, I can think of two churches now that do this. It's uh, a church that will do normal Sunday morning service where the senior pastor teaches, um, but they might have another service option throughout the week, whether that's like a Wednesday night or Saturday night or Sunday night. Mm. Uh, And instead of them coming up with an entirely different message to teach, they watch Eaglebrook or Mm. make it a viewing group and create community around this a message as a way to give the senior pastor a break from not having to teach multiple messages a week. Right. Yeah, I heard one that used it for a summer series. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just going to take a break for the summer, and they plugged in Eagle Brook all summer long. Amazing. It, it worked great. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I mean, it's, you know you know this, but it's so difficult to come up with so much content over and over and over again. And so for someone who's, you know, solo pastor, and they're finding they have to preach 48 weekends a year, plus the midweek stuff, plus Bible studies, yeah. man, just to have that break... Which I do want to add, and this isn't you know a, a bragging or uh, something that we want to you know be arrogant about, but this all these materials they're they cost people money or what, what no, are they? Tell yeah, us about it's, that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's all free. I mean, obviously, if you can get to the internet, you're going to get access to uh, our service. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Is yeah. you're on a strong Wi-Fi and you press go at the right time. But if you do go through the Eagle Brook Association where we'll train you and develop you also for free, uh, then we'll make sure that you get a download link uh, on Saturday night after our Saturday night service and you can actually have it downloaded so you're not trusting the Wi-Fi. And in some places that actually makes a difference, yeah, you know, that yeah, they don't right. have strong Wi-Fi. Right. And so we've set that up. And even our kids' ministry, that stuff is uh, accessible. And we do know that some even have shown it in the basement while essentially the adults are watching in one level or in another room. Yeah. And this is crazy that this happens. But yeah, it's all accessible for people that want it. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you know, there are people out there who are listening or thinking about, um, and, and they're thinking about potentially like, well, how would I ever do this? I mean, I, yeah, I live far away. It's physically, it's hard to get to a campus. And I mean, if they're, Someone's thinking about starting a viewing group, and you probably do get this question often. Yeah. What should they actually do? Yeah. Uh, 
I think about two different viewing groups and how they started. And so I'll tell the two stories and kind of compare them. Um, one was in Red Wing, Minnesota. They had awesome leaders who were committed and so dedicated to the idea of starting this group. They had a good attendance, um, but they were doing it mostly on their own. They were the owners of it. Uh, and so they were renting space at a, it's just kind of funny, a Seventh-day Adventist church because they don't use their church on Sunday. So they rented the Amazing. space. Yeah. Uh, but it just was expensive to rent the space and pay for the insurance. And uh, and as the group continued to grow, uh, they didn't have uh, like a leadership team where they could rely on other families to help uh, shoulder some of the consistency, the demands of time. Uh, and so there's another group that started with just three families. This was during COVID uh, in Grantsburg and Grantsburg, Wisconsin. And so uh, this group had three families. And when I talked to the leader, that they started a couple years ago. And when I talked to the leader just a couple of weeks ago, they were telling me how effortless this group has been, mm. which is the exact opposite experience of the group in Red Wing. And I think it's because of they had this leadership team because no one weekend seems overwhelming to someone to host a viewing group. Mm. But the consistency of every weekend providing a space, um, especially during the summers where people travel. Uh, now, a lot of groups this last summer took the summers off as a break, and then they would just start meeting again in the fall. But um, the demands of consistency, if they had a leadership team to help, help shoulder that weight, uh, actually helped the group sustain and the leader feel less burdened. And mm -hmm. so if someone was looking to start a new group, what I would suggest to them is find a friend or two. Uh, and the reason for that is because when you start a group, you can start meeting with just a handful of people. You maybe put it up on our website. We put your map, your little ping on the map and someone reaches out to you and say, hey, I want to check out your group. You might not even know who this person is. And they end up showing up to wherever you're hosting the group. Now you have three or four people that are already committed to being there every week. And then you have one more and they have a great experience because there's a form of community and they're connecting. And then now you're adding. Every time someone reaches and attends, you're adding attendance. Now, if it's just you and your wife or your family and someone shows up to your group and like contrasting that and you don't have other people committed to being there, mm -hmm. well, then you might have a pretty awkward experience <laughs> because they show up and it's just your family and them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then you're losing people as they're showing interest. You're not adding members. You're, yeah. you're uh, kind of just floundering. And so I'd say find a leadership team um, and uh, just a couple of other people that are committed to the group. And then the other things, we've really seen three uh, kind of situations that have made really successful viewing groups. The first is if you're in a small town in Minnesota, mm -hmm. uh, they recognize the brand Eagle Brook. They, they know the name. They might have even attended our church at some point uh, or been to the Twin Cities and I've heard of it. Uh, and so those groups naturally succeed pretty easily. Um, the other is go to a place where Midwesterners vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a handful of groups in Florida. Mm -hmm. We have a handful of groups in Arizona. These are pretty popular like snowbird places So right. where people go. Mm -hmm. uh, and the third would be uh, at, a, at a place where there's not a church like Eagle Brook. Um, these are usually small towns or, or places that might, might have a couple options for churches, but nothing that really uh, they can relate with. And so people will start groups there. Um, yeah, but mm -hmm. those three. So I'd say find a leadership team, a group of people, and uh, yeah. That's awesome, Jeff. Don, how, you know, we have this BHAG, mm -hmm. big, hairy, hairy audacious goal <laughs> of tripling 
mm-hmm. viewing groups this year. That's great. That, Did that you is a run that by Jeff before you gave that? No, I, I didn't. I just, <laughs> no, this is a, Jeff, a, we gift. Got a This was a gift. gift. <laughs> I know. We were sitting in a room. I felt really cozy. I'm like, <laughs> we, should, we should be able to triple these. Yeah, right. Right. Why don't we have more? Of this? <laughs> this is such a great idea. You could start one around bird watching. Uh, like yeah, you guys absolutely. can watch birds and do online church together. That's be a right. group, viewing group. Anyways. I like so we, we do have this goal because yeah. um, we just believe so much in potential of this. Now, this isn't going to count towards our attendance. We have no idea. I mean, we just, this is all about the mission. Mm-hmm. This is all about reaching people who maybe otherwise wouldn't be reached. And so, Don, I mean, you've got someone in front of you who's wondering, ah, oh, should I, you know, start this viewing group or not? They're just on the fence. What would you say to that person? This is your chance to triple right here, right now. No pressure. <laughs> Let's hear it, Doc. I really thought Let's this question it. was going to Jeff. Yeah, I'm, so, going to, I'm going to you. That is I'm a good little but, spin. But what would you say? I mean, you're so missionally focused. You're so passionate about reaching people. Just someone's on the fence. I mean, what would you what would you say to them? And then I do want to hear from you too, Jeff. Well, I, I do think Jeff's got the, those are great points. I mean, I, you shared those with me the other day. I just, I love those of having a wingman or someone else that you're doing it with don't don't do it alone do it in the right location start at the right time you know starting on 4th of July weekend isn't the right time to start yeah. so find the right time to start but i do think we have a burden for our community mm-hmm. and you know where you hear about these things happening in dorm rooms or in vacation spots or in mm-hmm. mobile home parks i mean it it happens all over and it's a relatively easy invite you know, so come on over to my house. That feels much safer than going to church. And yeah, we're just going to watch this for an hour. And I'm pretty sure that there's usually some conversation before the service, some conversation after. I'm guessing that many of these have some kind of food. Yeah. I mean, this is the way to do church. And essentially, you're in the comfort of your home or somebody else's where you're starting to do life. Yeah. And we hear story after story about that. So yeah, if you're someone on the fence, again, I think self-doubt is going to push against you. Mm-hmm. And you have to overcome that self-doubt. And you're going to have all the reasons not to do it. Like, no one's going to come. It's it's my house. Or uh, it works in another city, but not in my city. And I've heard that said so many times. And honestly, I believe that. I mean, I was the campus pastor right here at White Bear Lake. And I didn't think people were going to come watch the pastor on a screen. Mm-hmm. But they actually do. And so overcome the self-doubt. Put yourself out there. Bring up uh, bring somebody else along for you for the ride, and you you can reach your community or your dorm or your school. Mm-hmm. I mean, this does work. We've seen it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So so give it a shot, and you'll never you'll never know how God's going to work unless you you go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, Jeff. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I think some people have hesitations, and I'm just thinking about ones I've heard over the years, uh, over this last year, and I think like an issue of security of like if I'm meeting in my home. Is someone just going to show up to my home, mm. and and that that's alarming to some people? And uh, the answer is no. When we put your uh, viewing group on the map, we don't give an exact address. They actually have to reach out to you first. And so every time someone shows up to your group, they've you know they're coming because you told them how to get there. You know, mm-hmm. and so you know who's coming. Uh, I think some people think about like, is is this the great? Is this the best setting? Uh, if you have someone else to start it with, I would say just get it started and start inviting people. Uh, we, we, we saw one group in uh, Cloquet, uh, Minnesota, which is by Duluth, and uh, he took out paid ads on Facebook. Mm. And then and I think he had some type of relationship with the local theater or knew the owner. Mm. 
They started meeting in a theater, and I think on their launch, they had 30 people wow. show up to their launch awesome. of the group. I mean, that's so crazy. But, like, there's a lot of different ways you can grow these groups by using social media, by inviting people. A lot of people are more connected than they think with Christian communities, whether they do a local Bible study or uh, they can invite people and get get one of these started. But. I think I saw that Cloquet uh, site has, like, the recliner yeah, <laughs> in the theater now, too. Now there so we go. They're Come taking on. it in church Turn in the on recliner. The I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sign Get me up. up. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but there is something these groups have that I, I that even campuses, I think, um, sometimes don't have. So, like, when you go to one of our larger campuses, thousand-plus people you're watching the service with, it can be really easy to stay anonymous. And that's part of the perk, right? Like, you're not forced to be known and take a next step the first time you attend. But when you go to a viewing group, you feel that sense of community. You're outside of the Twin Cities. Uh, you might have a connection with Eagle Brook. Maybe you don't. Um, but you have this connection of like this small group of people who are gathering to help reach other people for Christ, They're to mm-hmm. follow the mission of uh, reaching people. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's unique. It's awesome. Speaking of reaching people, you know, viewing groups is one of those ways that we're just talking about today. But you're also thinking about other innovative ways that yeah. you can reach people using technology, using online? What are some of the things that you're just chewing on that could be in our near future? Yeah, I think near future for us would be uh, serving online, so ways to serve Mm -hmm. online, even if you do live in a place like Texas or Florida where we see a lot of online attenders, um, a way for you to serve and get involved. But I think uh, probably the most innovative one we're looking at is Virtual reality, mm-hmm. VR, putting on the old headset. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> the old one. <laughs> the old <headset. laughs> uh, but uh, I think, and it's been interesting because I've been in a handful of meetings and I'm just trying to gauge people's responses to mm-hmm. what do they think about Eagle Brook kind of dipping our toes in VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've actually been surprised by the resistance of people. Yeah, I was uh, going to say. People feeling. Um, not sure if that's the right way to go. And mm-hmm. it's funny because I remember the same resistance when we started online church. Mm-hmm. Well, people aren't going to go in person if you do it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the the same resistance, it's kind of that same similar feeling as a new technology, a new field um, starting to explore. I, I, spent, I spent a couple weekends now just hopping from different churches in VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to paint the picture for you, I'm in my basement. Right. I have a headset on. Yep. Uh, I can actually hear my family upstairs, but when you put the headset on the audio, you can hear the headset audio, mm-hmm. and you load into a church, which sounds so weird. <laughs> <laughs> load in. Load into the church. That's right. You drop in, and you're in someone else's world, you yes. know, and uh, you walk around, and I walked up, and I got to meet a pastor on staff at this mm-hmm. church, and we ended up talking yeah. for a while. So and, you can talk, and they can hear you. Yes, uh-huh. and it's like proximity yeah. chat, so I it's know. like... As the closer you are, it, it feels very much like real life. I remember one time uh, I was talking to the pastor and he waved behind me. Like I saw him kind of bend his head and wave his hand. And like just that nonverbal, I, I knew someone had loaded in behind me. And I turned around and there was someone there and I waved and they kind of joined our conversation. Oh, it was weird. like nonverbals and it's just very strange. <laughs> it is strange. Uh, but what was so jarring to me is so I had I'd done this for maybe a couple of hours, attended a few different church services just to kind of see what other churches are doing. And I took off my headset and I was what was jarring is that I was still in my basement. Yeah. Right? Like my brain had been tricked that I was actually felt like I was with people. Yeah. But I was still in my basement. Wow. Right. And, yep. al- and 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 alone. And so I do think it's an interesting way to do church. Uh, 
especially it, it feels more like you're attending a church than even watching behind a screen. It's, mm-hmm. It adds that extra element of community and feeling of presence. Mm-hmm. Are you in, John? You got the VR goggles yet? I, yeah. My mind is still blown. But I do, I was, I mean, sitting here thinking, as much as my mind is blown, and I actually happen to sit under a talk of a guy who kind of thinks about the future and all the just crazy, like his job is to be futuristic, this guy yeah. I was listening mm-hmm. to. And he's like wearables and the virtual reality things, the goggles, Apple's coming out with something, I guess, in the next 12 months or less that's going to be some sort of VR-related wearable technology. Mm. Like all of that stuff is going to be just so um, second nature to the next generation. Yeah. For us, it blows our mind. Like think about previous generations. When the mm-hmm. TV came out, like what's this going to do to our lives, right. our yeah. brains? When oh, the man. internet came out, I mean, all those things. And so it's just the next iteration of that so rather than... Uh, being afraid of it, which I am mm-hmm. terrified of it, <laughs> especially AI. We should talk about AI at some point, oh, just man. artificial robots, the whole yes. thing, the Tesla thing that's coming out. I oh, mean, yeah. just like that robot. What's his name? Oh, uh, Optimus Prime. They named him. The oh. Tesla robot. I don't know. You haven't seen know. the Tesla robot? No. Oh, come on. Optimus you got to look Prime. this up. He's a they have a kill switch. <laughs> they have a kill switch in case they become. Anyways, I'm getting, <laughs> wow. getting off topic. Takeover. <laughs> Are, should they go to church? Should, should the robots, the robots go, to yeah, go to church? Go to church. I don't know. And then is there baptism of robots? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyways, that is the going, kill switch, I went down the dark. <laughs> yeah, the kill switch. Yeah, the kill switch. Um, uh, but I do think it's interesting. I mean, I I went to a, a metaverse conference uh, recently, and they they had said in that they are in not in VR. This oh, okay. was over Zoom. So, okay. uh, but they they had uh, some statistics, and they said 171 million. Active VR users. Yeah, I mean that is half of the population of the United States. Granted, that's worldwide, not just in the United States. But if we knew that there was 171 million people in a country somewhere who needed to be reached for Jesus, we would probably send a missionary. We would go, or we would do something good. to reach them. And so I think the same question comes from online church. When we started that, was do we provide church in a place where people? should experience church, right, in community where there's a teacher and you can kind of be live and hear the worship? and Or should we provide a church experience for where people are uh, and go reach them where they are and not just where we think they should be, you know? And yeah. so trying to bridge that gap between between those two. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. I'm in. Interesting to see. Okay, I've got one final question here. <laughs> um Don, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this first, but how about other churches? Maybe there's churches out there that are struggling to build their online presence, or maybe they did something when the world kind of shut down, and now they're like, forget that, I don't want to do anything online. Or, I mean, I'm gonna throw this out there of of churches who um, are going through a pastor transition, or there is the solo pastor that's like, man, I'm just struggling to keep up, and there's too much to do. What would you say to those churches that are trying to grow, trying to balance this online thing? Of course, we're so fortunate and blessed to have so many resources that we've yeah. been um, blessed with. And yeah, what would you say to those churches yeah. and church leaders? I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is to open your mind. <laughs> you know, open your mind to the reality. If you're a church that just says we're not doing online, maybe just open up the thought to doing online because it is such a helpful tool. I mean, we just see the benefits of it over and over again. Even I just think about my mom, who is hard of hearing. And so 
it is a way that she can either see it in closed captioning or she can plug in her, her hearing aids to it and she can hear church where if she goes to a building, she just can't hear it. And, and there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. And that's just one reason. There's a lot of reasons that people aren't going to the building. And you said it perfectly, Jeff. We want to be missionaries to people who are coming to the building or not coming to the building. And so let's find a way to, to leverage that tool, if at all possible. And then I would just say for churches, if you are in a time that you're you're struggling or maybe a senior pastor is retiring and and our church could come alongside of you and help in any way, we'd, we'd love to partner with you. And we do have some tools, again, that they're free. And if we can help any church, if they even just want a summer series or if they're looking for a new chapter that we could come alongside and help with in any way, uh, email us. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to have the conversation. And there's no... Uh, guarantee it's going to work, but let's, you know, that it has to happen. If we have the conversation, it's just an exploratory dialogue. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and have the dialogue and, and see if there is something we could do together to mm-hmm. reach people for Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, this has been a great conversation, truly, to think about viewing groups and the potential and and how people are just gathering in all sorts of places. Um, but any final things that we didn't talk about, things that you just want to share, Jeff, anything? Uh, to piggyback after your last question, I think um, if you're a church that's looking to grow your online presence, maybe you had something in COVID, you shut it down, uh, or maybe you're just feeling stagnant, like you're stuck. Um, one of the things that I think that was the biggest eye-opener for us and something that we learned is changing our kind of online philosophy from a window into our church. And how do you actually change it so the weekend content is geared for an online audience? So thinking about what happens in your church what happens on the weekend, what you're saying from the stage, is your language, how would someone watching on a different state take that in? I mean, if you're talking about a local football game or uh, the weather locally, uh, someone who's watching in a different state, it's it feels disengaging. And the more and more that you do that, the more and more they're reminded they're just looking into your church. How do you shift that idea to, to talking to that online attender uh, is, a, is a, a way that when we switch that to switching to ministry for an online attender. Uh, how do we actually talk to that person? It was a, a, a game changer for us. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Don, how about you? Yeah, I think the only thing I had to add, I hope this has come through in the last, throughout the conversation, like our passion, for, like our excitement about viewing groups yeah. and what's happening online. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, we have as many people coming online every weekend as we do coming into the building, if not more. And, and so it's a, an effective tool and the viewing group thing, when, whenever Jeff says, I got a viewing group story for you, he has my full attention. I mean, I just love every one of these stories of the snowplow driver or the bar that turns church or a winery or whatever it is. A, again, a dorm room that just gets you know students coming to see. I, every time I hear those, I get fired up about those things. So, so again, if you're on the bubble, we'd love to help you walk through and get a viewing group started. But, but I'm just hoping and praying that we can keep keep adding more, more and more viewing groups. Yeah. It's exciting to be a part of. Okay, one, one more time. If someone wants to start a viewing group, yeah. uh, who should they contact? What, what's the first step? I know you gave all the great bigger yep. things, mm-hmm. but like first step just to get the ball rolling. Yeah, they could go to our website. On the bottom of our website in the footer, it has a viewing group tab. They can click on that. First, they can see if there's a viewing group in their area that they could just join. How easy would that be? Just yeah. to join the group that already is meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the, uh, on that same tab, there's an option for them to express interest in leading one. That'll send me a direct email, and then we can have a conversation about what that looks like. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jeff. You're yeah. a great online campus pastor, mm-hmm. and you're a great person. Oh, wow. in, thanks. In 
real life, real life. not just. <laughs> I'd like to meet you someday in the metaverse. <laughs> metaverse. That's my goal. I'm by the time I'm done with my career, I'd like to meet you in the metaverse. Here we can go. that happen? We can make dreams. Guys. You think he's, that'll happen? He's like a 15 year old skateboard <laughs> yeah, guy. Skateboard. You know? Yeah, who are you I in the metaverse? A lot of hair. <laughs> oh my gosh, the future is wild. <laughs> this has been a really fun conversation, really enlightening one. That's all we got for this month's episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. We just believe when leaders get better, the church gets better. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.